Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 12 through 31. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take this, is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. This is the word of the Lord. If you would turn one more time to Luke chapter 22, from Luke 22, 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. This is the word of the Lord. You know, we continue to work through our study of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is the epitome of this verse. I think that probably, I think I heard this, I read this in Mark Lloyd-Jones. Mark Lloyd-Jones said that you should put this verse on the door of your home when you leave. You know, everybody likes to put, uh, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he said, this is the verse you should put on your door as you leave the house. He said, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's the, that's the verse you ought to put on the door frame before you walk out of the house. Because Peter, he's going to epitomize that verse. We're going to see a person who epitomizes this verse. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In Proverbs 16, 18, we read, Pride goes before destruction. 
Proverbs 29, 23, it says a man's pride will bring him low. The prophet Isaiah says the pride of a man will be humbled. And so as we look at Peter, we have a guy who, who says what he feels and feels what he says. In Simon Peter, we have a guy who's authentic. He's not a hypocrite. He's no Judas. He hates the idea of being a Judas. He's the genuine article, but he thinks he stands. That's his weakness. He is going to, we're going to see that he's putting all his trust in himself, all his trust in his sincerity. And there's nothing wrong with sincerity. There's nothing wrong with zeal. It says that Jesus went through the house of God with zeal for the Father's house. There's nothing wrong with zeal. But he trusted in his zeal, trusted in his sincerity. He didn't leave any room for the fact that he could be weak. He was asleep, if you will, to his own weakness. And because he was asleep to it, he's going to fail miserably and fall down. He has to learn it. And you and I have to learn it. Not to trust in our own strength, but to trust in Jesus Christ. Not to, not to put all our trust in our own sincerity and zeal, but to put all our trust in Jesus Christ who's the vine. I want to show you first Peter's true sincerity. There's no doubt he's sincere and there's no doubt that he's saved. In Peter, we don't have a hypocrite. In Judas, we have a hypocrite, not Peter. Judas is sitting there in this final Passover meal where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And what's he doing? He's letting Jesus wash his feet as he has 30 pieces of silver tucked away in his pocket, in, his, in the bag, the money bag. He is eating the bread Jesus gives and he's drinking the wine that Jesus gives to him. And when Jesus tells all of them, somebody here is going to betray me, you know what he says? Surely it's not I, Rabbi, right along with all the rest of them. That is not Peter. That's duplicitous, that's hypocrisy, that's deception, and that's not Peter. Peter is truly sincere. Well, let's, let's look at some of his sincerity as we look at this passage. You know, we said last week, and I say this again because I want our men, especially our men, women, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying women don't need this, but men, listen, you need to be balanced. At 6 o'clock, when the pendulum is at 6 o'clock, where are the greatest forces on the pendulum? At 6 o'clock. The forces to go to the left are the forces to go to the right. The forces to go to 11 are the forces to go to 1. And you must be balanced. You must hold yourself together. We might even call that wisdom. Peter's not anything like that. When Peter's, he swings, he swings all the way up to 11. <laughs> He didn't even, I'm, I think I changed my mind as I meditated on this. I had it nine and I had it three. I think I'm changing it to 11 and one. You know, that's where he's at. Now, in a way, that's really great. Peter, man, Jesus says, <laughs> he's about to wash his feet. And Peter looks at him and says, never show you wash my feet. No, no, no. This is, that's beneath you. I don't want a savior who washes people's feet. I want a savior who's my hero. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. So what does Peter do? What? What was that? What did you just say? No part? I'm going to be cut off? I'm not going to be part of the family of God? I'm out of here? Oh, okay, well then wash my hands, wash my head, wash every part of me. I, I'm totally over here to 11 now. <laughs> That's Peter. That's our guy. And Jesus has to correct him. And, but then he says something to him, and this is fabulous. He says this. He says, you are clean. Now think about Peter. We're thinking about Peter right now. You're, Peter, you're clean. 
He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. Now, can you imagine, Peter? He's, I mean, man, this guy's loving this. This guy's hearing that, hey, listen, I'm not going to be cut off because I've reversed myself. You can do anything with my feet that you want to. Then he hears that he's clean. He hears that he's had the bath. And so he's walking around with tremendous, his sincerity is so real as he's at the table. His sincerity is also demonstrated when Jesus predicted his betrayal. Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And all the disciples, what are they saying? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And even Judas says, is it I, Lord? But there's one disciple at the table. Have you ever thought about this? There's one disciple at the table who says, I got to know who it is. And that was Peter. So in John, it tells us that, John tells us that he's lying against Jesus' bosom and that Peter is so anxious. Peter's so unnervous about all of this. His heart is racing and he basically says, could it be me? So he looks up and he says, John, ask Jesus who it is. Tell us who it is. And, of course, we read here that Jesus says it's the person I give a morsel to, and they didn't really understand that. But one thing Peter understood, he understood that it wasn't him. Peter understands he's given to the master's will. Peter understands that he's bathed and clean. Peter understands he's not the betrayer, and he's relieved. Peter's also, his sincerity is stoked by Jesus' tender and sweet words. You know, Judas left the table, and everything at the table, the mood at the table changed. Jesus is now giving himself to his disciples. He's speaking words to the eleven like this. He's telling them that he's going to be glorified. He's telling them that he's going to go somewhere that they can't come at this moment. He's telling them that they should go and love one another even as he's loved them. And he tells them that if you love other men the way I've loved you, they'll know that you're my disciples. And you know, Jesus, I mean, surely as Peter is with Jesus, he's relishing this. You know, the other night I was thinking there was somebody who traveled to see us uh, this, this past weekend from <laughs> Georgia, and they, they, it took them 13 hours to get here. And I could tell on Friday night that this lady who traveled with her husband and their kids to see our kids and some other things, that she really wanted to um, talk to my wife. And so, I mean, I kind of, the cues are there, you know. I think I'm going to drive my tr- my car over to the place so that when we're done, I can drive back. And I'm going, okay, well, that's, she doesn't really want to talk to me. She wants to talk to Lori. And so I excused myself after we got back home and all the kids went upstairs, however many there were. And they talked until, I don't know what, 1 o'clock, 1.30. You know those, those times where you relish? Peter is enjoying this. Peter's loving these words. And then in chapter uh, 13, he says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going that I can't go? And Jesus said, well, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do some work. We know that he's talking about the cross. We know they don't get it yet. But he's going to go do some work. And when he's done doing that work, he says, you will follow me afterwards. Later, there will be a later. And so think about Peter. Peter is like, okay, man, I do God's will. I'm not the betrayer. I'm clean. I'm washed. My feet are clean. They're washed. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this world, this, this room with Jesus. I'm eating every word he says. And you know what? There's a later for me. Isn't that a good thing? Have you ever thought, is there a purpose in my life? 
Have you ever thought, is God, what's God going to do with me? Well, Peter knows something's coming. Something's later. He's going to follow Jesus later. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we truly sincere and are we truly saved? Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love Jesus Christ like that? 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, If anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. Let him be anathematized. Let him be cut off. Peter doesn't want to be ever cut off. Does that make you ill to think about being cut off from Jesus Christ? Does it make you sick to think about the fact that you could be cut off? If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. Peter doesn't want to be betraying Jesus ever. Do little sins bother me? If you were a horse rider and you put a saddle on the horse and there's a little burr between the saddle and the skin, does it bother you like it would bother that horse? That horse is going to be bothered by that burr. Do little sins bother you? so that you find yourself confessing your sins to the Lord. Do these little sins bother you so that you sit down with your wife or your husband and say, would you please forgive me? I sh- that was the wrong tone of voice. What are you talking about, brother? Just trust me, I shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> right? Little things. Stay on top of little things. Are these things, do they bother you? Do you find yourself, you know, sometimes we sit with men, we sit with women, and, and we don't tell we don't tell everything, but we do let people know that I'm a humble person because I do sin. Do we do things like that? By the grace of God, do we say, I never want to leave my Savior. I dread the thought of it. And Jesus tells us if we truly walk with him, if we truly love him, if we truly love his commandments. You know what he says in a few verses down from John 14, 15 and verse 21? He says, you love me, and he says, my father and I, we will come and make our home in you. I like that thought. These are things that truly sincere and truly saved people do. They love Jesus. They love his commandments. They dread the idea of ever being separated from Christ. They love his words and cherish his presence. You know, uh, last Sunday night, we read these words in uh, 1 Samuel, and uh, Steve might be tired of me talking about it because I talked about it on Tuesday night in a big, long meeting we had. But there's these words in 1 Samuel. They're just there. I think you could just read these words and walk right on by, you know. There's these words about Samuel and Eli. And it said that Samuel was in the Shiloh temple in his usual place. And it said that, I mean, that, that Eli's in his usual place, but Samuel was near to the ark of God. It just bothers me. Let me tell you why. This is an old man. Eli's the old man. He's in his usual place. Samuel, the young man's nearest to the ark of God. Doesn't that bother you? The old man needs to be closest to God's presence. The old man needs to be close to the ark of God. The old man needs to be near to the place where God rule and reign is preached, where the revelation of God is inside the box, the Ten Commandments. The rule is there. The, the, the reign of God is there. The presence of God is there. Between the two cherubim over the mercy seat, God dwells. There's this place of reconciliation through the blood of the Lamb. And Eli is in his usual place. And there's a young man close to the ark of God. 
Men, men, listen to me. Set the pace. For good shepherd, set the pace. You, your nearness to God is for your good. For your good. And for your family's good. Set the pace. Don't be like Eli. Eli's about to be judged. Y'all can come talk about that tonight. His sons are going to be Reverend Hoffney and Reverend Phineas tonight in the sermon. They die. They die. They were the close, they were men so close to the things of God and they missed it. Well, anyway, we're talking about Peter's sincerity. We'll move on. Peter's trust uh, in his sincerity. This is the next point. Peter, he has real sincerity. Now we're going to see how he trusted in his sincerity. There's no doubt at this meal, Peter is, remember we talked about Colorado, Rocky Mountain Highs. This man is on a cloud. He is excited. He's confident. He's close to Jesus. He's not the betrayer. He's clean. His feet are washed. But this is where it all goes wrong because he just doesn't reflect on his weakness. Maybe if we went back to that passage in Matthew 14 where he walks on the water. Remember, how did he walk on the water? As long as his eyes were where? But when his eyes were not on Jesus, he goes sinking down. So maybe if he would have reflected on the fact that he's weak when he's not looking at Jesus and he's strong when he is. But right now he's looking at who? He's looking at himself. He's thinking about his own strength. He's thinking about how great I am. When we sing that today in our, we sing how great thou art. I think Peter's singing how great I am. And so think about it if he just reflected on that. But he thinks he stands. And so we're going to see that he has a fall. He first thing that he does is he contradicts Jesus. Did y'all see that? In Matthew 26, uh, it's, it's also in Mark, but I'm reading from Matthew 26 here. He says, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall, fall, shall, be, shall be scattered. So he's sounding an alarm. You will all fall away. And what does Peter say? Never. <laughs> he says that a lot, doesn't he? You know, I've, I've had to learn not to say well, I say never by God's grace now instead of never, you know, like it's all about me. Um, Even though all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. I'm Mr. Permanent. <laughs> They're going to all fall away, but not me. Never shall you wash my feet. Never shall you go to the cross. Never Never shall I fall away. I mean, listen, not only is he contradicting Jesus, but Jesus is quoting now in, I like, I like sometimes reading the uh, New American Standard because the New American Standard has all the words in bold print where there's an Old Testament word from the Old Testament. And so this is a quote. So Jesus is being contradicted by Peter, but also Peter's contradicting the scripture. Is that a good place to be? It's not a good place to be. Peter says he's ready for any trial. Luke twenty two thirty three. Lord, with you I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. He's already won. Now there's a statement in uh, first. Um, have y'all y'all know about King King Ahab? You know he's one of the worst. I mean he's the worst. Go read the Bible. He's the worst king of Israel. But he says this. This is true. He said, "One who puts on his armor should not boast like the one who takes it off." Now think about that. Now, if you and I are going into battle against each other, we may boast a little bit, right? But we haven't gone through the battle yet. The one who takes his armor off is the guy who won most of the time. 
Peter's already won in his mind. Peter's already been in the battle and already taken his armor off. He's already won. He hasn't even entered into the conflict yet. It's yet to come. He even sets himself above others. He says this, even though all may fall away, I am the new and improved man. <laughs> right? I'm the new and improved man. I don't fail. And he said, Peter is singled out by Jesus. Simon, Simon, anytime y'all read, truly, truly, Simon, Simon, Saul, Saul, Abraham, Abraham, anytime you see two names, two words back to get back, something big's coming. You need to get ready. Something important is coming. And then he says the word behold. That's a word that's supposed to stop us in our tracks. And then he says Satan. That ought to stop us in our tracks too. And Satan, he says to Peter, singling him out among all those others. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. You ready for that? Sifting. Y'all know what sifting is? It means that you're shaking up and down and side to side until all the, the, the airy uh, chaff falls off and the, the wheat would fall to the ground. Now, in California... Uh, one of the things that I had my education there when I was in California, I had the almond education. All my guys farm, farmed almonds, and I went out and I would see the shakers. Y'all know what the shakers are? About a $120,000 piece of equipment these guys get in them. Don't be fooled. They're all cool. It's all air conditioned. But they go down the road, and these big arms reach out and grab the, the butt of the tree and grab hold of it and clamp down on it and shake the daylights out of it for like three, four, five seconds. All the dust goes up in the air. Unbelievable dust is everywhere, and all the nuts fall to the ground. Satan is coming after you, Peter, like that. He's going to shake you up and down and side to side and see if anything's left. This is what's coming, and it's going to happen today. He says, today it's going to happen to you. Peter disregards it. He disregards the warning about Satan. He's going to disregard Jesus' prayers. <laughs> but I have prayed for you. Did you, did you what? He didn't say that. He said, maybe we need to enter into prayer together. No, he didn't do that. He was determined. He's got it all together. And finally, Peter repeatedly seeks to silence Jesus. Listen to what it says. This is the New American, I mean, New American Standard. This is verse 31 in Mark 14. Listen to the redundancy. Peter kept saying insistently. How many times? <laughs> over and over. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Over and over and over. Hey, listen, Peter, listen. The other guys are going to scatter, but you're going to do something far worse. You're going to deny that you even know me. <laughs> All these other guys, wow, they're going to scatter, but you, you're going to be sifted, you're going to be tempted, tried, and you're going to fail. Can you hear Peter? I, I, I've thought about Peter in, in light of Psalm 23. Lord, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you as you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Peter's the rock. Peter's his uh, rod and his staff. They're going to comfort you, Lord. I will be with you to the end. I am your rock. Well, we see Peter's going to fail. Let's think about some applications of what we just looked at. Let's think about the danger of trusting in our own strength. Sincerity is good. And single-mindedness is good. 
And zeal is good, but we can be lulled to sleep by our own sincerity. It's as if Peter has never read pride goes before destruction. He's standing firm and sure in his sincerity. He will not be moved. But when you and I are so sure of our love for Jesus Christ, and when you and I are so sure of all our resolves and resolutions, and we don't think about our weaknesses, we're setting ourselves up for a real fall. Do you hear the alarm bells ringing? Would you contradict Jesus? Would you contradict the word of God? He did. Setting himself up for a fall. The scriptures teach that Jesus is the vine and that you and I are the branches. The scriptures do not teach that we are the vine and Jesus should be happy to abide in us. You you see. We are the ones who are in the vine. We are the ones who need the sap flowing into our branch, not Jesus being happy to abide in us. This means that you and I, we cannot put confidence in ourselves, in anything we do. You know, you talk to guys in the gym. This is one of the things you talk to guys in the gym about. My mom used to always get on to me about this. She'd say, now, Mark, you are going to live if you don't work out. I used to think I'd die if I didn't work that work out. And these guys would come to the gym. They had been on a vacation for a week, and they didn't work out for a week, these big old mammoth dudes. And, and I would look at them, and they'd tell me, oh, I didn't work out last week. I didn't work out last week. And I'd go, yeah, you look like you're about to fall apart. Oh, i got to have my workout. I'm not going to make it. I've got to have my hat, my Bible reading. I'm, I'm all for Bible reading. You know I am. Are you going to trust in your Bible reading or are you going to trust in Jesus? Are you going to trust in Scripture memory or are you going to trust in Jesus? Are you going to put all your faith and hope in your family or are you going to trust in Jesus? If you ever find yourself saying, I've got to do this and I've got to do that, and it's not resting in Christ well you're setting yourself up do you think you stand when others are going I mean you think others are going to fall but you will stand others may sin others may be scattered others have problems but not I do you think you can just disregard Jesus words these are for us congregation Behold, Satan demands, has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Congregation, Satan is around here and Jesus is saying, listen, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Congregation, Jesus says, I'm at the right hand of the Father and I ever live to make intercession for you. But I don't make intercession for people who've got it all together. I make intercession for people who depend on me who are weak and need me. And if you and I, we are so insistent that Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about, we're in for a fall. I want you to consider the danger of a great fall. We can be so sincere, and it's good, and we can be sincerely saved. We're not hypocrites. We're not Pharisees. We're new creatures in Christ, but we can still fall. And here's the reason why. We can just be put off our guard. You know, there's that passage, I think, I don't know if y'all remember this, but this, I think it was at Christmas, I preached you a sermon on Deuteronomy 8, and it talks about um, being, um, going from sort of being totally dependent on God over here, 
to being real prosperous. And when we get prosperous, we say to ourselves, I did it. We can be put off our guard. We, you think about Peter. He's in this room. He's enjoying every word. I mean, man, he's, he, I think he's put off his guard. He knows he's washed. He knows he's saved. He knows he's Jesus rock. He's changed his name. And sometimes when we feel prosperous, it can become a snare. And so here's the answer. If you and I do not continually ascribe the glory to God, if we do not acknowledge that Jesus is the source, our pride can swell. And we can think that we have power and that we will not fall. And that's what happens to Peter. We're going to stay that next week. Peter, what does he do? He gets separated from Jesus just a distance away. He sits down by a fire. He's not thinking about anything. He's just going to warm himself. Next thing he knows, he's denied that he knows Jesus three times. And sometimes with cursing and swearing. And then Jesus' eyes lock with his eyes. And Peter walks away and weeps bitterly. I don't know about you. Have you? had a few of these sessions and these times when you thought that you stood (laughs) and you had to learn the lessons of putting that verse on your wall let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall let's consider for a second the importance of praise what should you do to avoid this unconsciousness that leads to a grievous fall this i this thought of being put off your guard well let's think about what peter should do let's think through our sermons We're going to go back 11 sermons. Think about what Peter should do. Jesus has asked me to get in my boat. (laughs) Jesus wants me to put my boat out so he can preach in my boat. He's heard Jesus preach. He's using his boat. This This is great stuff. He should be praising God that he's been asked, he's been talked to. He's been told to take and put his nets out on the other side in the deeper water. And Jesus says, Fill those nets with fish, and Peter is kissing the bottom of the boat, saying, I'm a sinful man. Then he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Think about he's walked on the water with Jesus. Think about the fact that he he has been corrected by Jesus several times. He knows he's saved. He knows his feet are clean. He knows he belongs to Jesus Christ. He should have always remembered to say, This is because God the Father revealed it to me. He should have always been praising God for what God is doing in his life and never ever seen himself as the strong one, but only the one who should be grateful. And when you and I, when we begin to walk with the Lord and we begin to see that God is doing a great work in us, he's changed your name. You're a new creature in Christ. You're a washed person. You're a justified person. You're adopted in the family of God. And you're crying out, Abba, Father. You're saying, Lord, I will do your will. And it's wonderful and sweet. You need to stop. And you need to say, I need to give the glory to God. I need to praise God and be grateful to him. And not take any honor to yourself. Remind yourself that the source of all the blessings is Jesus Christ. Remind yourself that you can't save yourself. Remind yourself that Jesus' blood cleanses away your guilt and Jesus is the one who gives you a new heart and Jesus is the one who gives you the power not to trust in your own sincerity but to trust in his power so that you don't fall. So we need to pray, Lord, my spirit is willing but my flesh is weak. Lord, I acknowledge nothing good dwells in me. I praise you for my sincerity but I praise you also for the strength that comes only from you i know that you're opposed to the proud but what does god do he gives grace to the humble you know um 
George Whitfield said, the greatest power against the devil is humility. Trusting in Christ. That's the greatest power. You want to know what the greatest, just, just go meditate on that. Humility. Humble yourself. Say, Lord, I can do all things only through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. I think that's a good word to end on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for putting Peter in front of our eyes as a man who did have true sincerity. And yet he went too far and trusted in it and not in your strength and you, you as the source. And so, Father, may we learn to put in the forefront of our own minds that let us not think we stand but help us to remember that we find all our source and all our energy in Jesus Christ so that we might walk in ways that please him. Thank you for teaching us through our times where we thought we stood. Thank you for teaching us many lessons, and may we share those lessons with others. But, Lord, we pray that we might be those who humble ourselves and know the strength of Jesus working in us by the power of the Spirit. We'll praise you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.